Ladies and gentlemen, what is going on? Thank you so much for tuning in to Nerdy 430, the podcast where comedian Tim Keck and I talk about nerdy-ish things for 30-ish minutes. My name is Kevin Bauer, and today we're talking about Moon Knight. And I've used the intro before. When we're talking about blank, we have to bring in the expert. And the bit for that intro is usually that the guest we have on the episode has nothing to do with the thing. For Venom, we brought on Bob Volfov. I don't know that Bob knew Venom was a character before we saw that movie. I don't know that Bob has any exposure to superhero things outside of me ranting and raving about them. It's different today because today we have a bona fide Moon Knight expert. We are so glad to have him here with us. He is a good friend of mine from way, way back. Ladies and gentlemen, Brandon Rockwell. Brandon, how you doing, man? Good. Good. Thanks for having me. Oh, my God. Thank you for being here. This is great. We've, it's overdue. We've been meaning to have you on the podcast for a long time. And then when we saw that Moon Knight was coming up, there's no better first episode to have you on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you and I have been doing nerdy for 30 type stuff since we were like in Cub Scouts together. So We have. You were my first. The original nerdy for 30 was you and I talking about this one other kid in Cub Scouts who always had sticky hands and would touch the N64 controller when we were playing Goldeneye. Disgusting. Paul Wherever you are, wash those hands. <laughs> yep. I know you both love Spider-Man who has sticky hands, so make up your minds, all right? That kid could have been a, a superhero now. You have no idea. Dude, if Spider-Man's hands are as disgusting as that one kid, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Paul, if you're listening to this, how are you? Paul, fuck off. Brandon, <laughs> I'm excited you're here, man, because I don't know anything about Moon Knight. I I've read a little bit, but I haven't I haven't read his comics. This isn't someone I grew up reading. I don't have the emotional attachment to this character that I've had for pretty much everything else that Marvel has ever done. So I'm excited. I have a lot of questions. Uh, <laughs> can we start off with like, what are your thoughts on the first episode? Oh, yeah, I guess just to kind of level set, because I probably am going to be a little biased. Moon Knight was kind of what got me into comics back in high school. Because before that, I thought comics were just for weirdos and losers. And I met this weirdo slash loser named Kevin, who was like, well, he kept trying to get me to get into comics with different things. I think he did like uh, the Uncanny X-Men and um, Runaways, which I kind of enjoyed. And then he was like, well, there's this character, Moon Knight. You might like him. I have no idea why Kevin recommended it to me. I don't know if you even remember why, but I got it and read through like a trade and was like oh this is the coolest thing ever and then i like went down the rabbit hole so when they first made the spider-man movie i was like wow that's cool but they're not gonna do other kinds of superheroes and then iron man came out and i was like oh man they're really doing marvel stuff but like they're still not gonna do moon knight there's no way (laughs) and then when they finally announced it i just i hit the floor like oh my gosh this is gonna be the coolest thing ever like i don't even care if it sucks i just want to see moon knight on screen so, I mean, I got to say for me as as a fan of Moon Knight, I thought it hit most of the notes that I was kind of hoping for. It was definitely a first episode, a lot of a lot of setup, but I thought it was pretty clever the way they did some of the stuff and definitely seemed to be pretty true to the character, which I very much appreciated. So what what's so great about Moon Knight, you know, that's so much better than the X-Men? What is it about Moon Knight that you're like, OK, this is this isn't lame shit, Kevin? You're wasting my time before, but Moon Knight, <laughs> I'm all in on Moon Knight. I mean, does he have powers? What does he do? Like, what's his deal? It, de- it depends. 
It depends on which version of Moon Knight you're reading, because when he started back in the whatever the first issue was, he was introduced just as an ancillary kind of side character that huts down this werewolf and brings him in. That sounds cool. He kind of he just kind of jumps in from time to time. People kind of used him for like different team ups and stuff, but he was a villain until he came in in like the 80s and they kind of rebooted him and framed him more as a hero. He'll drop off the face for a while and somebody will want to write another uh, Moon Knight arc and they'll bring him back in. They put him into a lot of stuff. He actually had a pretty decent role in Civil War. So he's been around and depending on who's writing him, he has different levels of power. So at his most epic, I would say, is when the moon is out, he's got like superhuman strength and he's basically just like a super soldier And then there's iterations of him where he's more like a Batman, where he's just like really, he's just a trained mercenary that just knows how to fight and doesn't really have any special powers beyond that. Although most times he does at least have healing because the whole story of him, and this is, I guess, spoiler if you haven't read the comics or don't know about Moon Knight, he died in the desert as a mercenary. The Egyptian god Khonshu came in and resurrected him essentially and made him his avatar to kind of do his deeds in the human world. So he's always had this kind of regenerative ability just because this God is keeping him alive. So that's kind of what from a powers perspective, that's what it is. It seems like that's what they're going with for this, right? Like Mm -hmm. it feels like for a Marvel, they kind of have to give him some powers, right? Like he has to, I feel like they're going with the most souped up version with him. We've already seen him like basically recover from a dislocated jaw or like something weird going on with his face. It seems like he's healed. He beats the shit out of a monster like with his bare hands. It seems like he's stronger. Like, I don't know. It seems cool. The costume is just magically appearing out of nowhere. Uh, It seems pretty sweet. He seems pretty, pretty pumped up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I was I, I haven't read the comics, but I was like reading about the character and trying to learn about the character. And one of the things that I heard was like so cool and compelling about him is that he I guess because of this healing factor the way he fights is like pretty unconventional and he just like fights like he has no like restraint or care about his body like at no point does he think about his own well-being which kind of lines up with like this first episode too because you see like Mark Spector or whatever is fighting and then Steven wakes up and Steven's like all fucked up and Mark doesn't care because he's not Steve, I guess. I don't know. I, I can't really tell what they're going for. Kevin, did this first episode like line up with your vision for Moon Knight? I'm with Brandon. I feel like it fit where my expectations were. And I definitely haven't read as much as you have, Brandon. But like I, I have seen him as one of those ancillary characters and other things. And he's always kind of treated like this other to the superheroes that are going on. Like everybody else is kind of talking and Moon Knight is kind of off like in his own space mentally. And uh, I feel like I've never personally read a comic where he's really truly like one of the gang. And I think this is going to be, I feel like the way Oscar Isaac is playing this character is perfect for that because I can just picture his kind of like wide-eyed, spacey Stephen Grant in a room with the other like plain clothes Avengers and everybody else like what the fuck is this guy's deal like did you guys dig the way that he's doing Stephen Grant Lauren found him obnoxious I'm kind of torn on the accent how are you guys feeling about that I loved it you know in the comic Stephen Grant he's one of the main alternate personalities I guess 
of Mark Spector and Stephen Grant's always been like just a billionaire playboy, like movie producer guy. <laughs> I never really connected with that version of him to begin with. That's never what I really liked about him. I always liked either Mark Spector or uh, Jake Lockley. Who's the, he's a taxi cab driver. That's another one of his personalities. So Stephen Grant, when I saw that that was who was going to be kind of the perspective, at least at the beginning of the show, and that he was a gift shop runner. I was like, I like this. I like this a lot because number one, it's somebody who's just really relatable, mm. you know, and, and you feel kind of bad for him. Um, like this, you know, the scene when he realizes he missed that date, the look on his face is just so sad. I like the kind of like naivety of it. And it makes sense too, because the reason why Mark Spector canonically, why he's created these personalities, because he has dissociative identity disorder and he actually has created these to protect himself at different points throughout his life. So I, I thought it was I thought it was a good interpretation. That's that's fascinating to me because like it feels like, you know, on the outside looking in like Mark is the badass. So I guess kind of the whole time looking at this from just like a TV show perspective, I'm like, cool. So why isn't he just Mark? Because Mark seems cool. Mark's got this like <laughs> this this cell phone in the wall with some chick calling him, asking him where he's at. He Mark asked out the girl that Stephen works with. Right. Stephen didn't ask her out. Mark asked her out for a steak and Stephen shows up for the date two days late. Mark's the one who's fighting all these people. Stephen blacks out. Mark does the badass shit. I'm like, when are we getting Mark? You know, it's, it's so like Mark may not have been the one who asked her out. It could have been Jake. Or another personality. And he just has a bunch of these personalities. Or mm -hmm. is there like, there's like a handful. He's not like Legion. Yeah. He's like no, a no, no, smaller no. subset of that. It's, yeah, it's generally two. Like, I, I'm expecting that they're probably going to have at least Jake. But maybe not. Maybe they're just going to stick with the two. I'm like, I think this is a really cool angle for this character. Because it's like, as somebody who has always loved variety shows like SNL, part of the fun of it is that when you are watching it, you get a little bit of everything. With a big cast, you get a lot of samples of what everybody does. I think it's kind of cool what you were describing with the character in the comics. It's like if you are just following this one comic, sometimes you're going to get like a film noir. Sometimes you're going to get a straight up psychological thriller. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's going to be like as gritty as a Saw movie. That's fucking cool. Like I like the idea that this guy kind of has a has an approach for all possible scenarios. Yeah, definitely. So he like fights crime with different personas. Generally, no, no. Generally, Moon Knight is the crime fighter. He lives other aspects of his life through the other personalities. Uh, but again, in some iterations, he also has Mr. Knight, who um, they've also shown pictures of. Like uh, he's going to be in the show in some capacity. That's like his more detective persona. Um, He's got like the all white suit. Yeah. And, and he's doing yeah. more investigative stuff and more like he'll he'll punch some people. But like for the most part, he's more about like the braininess of it kind of um, investigating things. So is Moon Knight the same as Mark? Because that that's like, you know, if we're if we're doing beefs or whatever, at the end of the episode, it's like Mark's like I can save us and then immediately turns into Moon Knight. And I was like, I get why you have to do this because it's the first episode, but I feel like we're skipping a step here, right? Mark is the one who was resurrected by Kanchu. He is the main, I mean, he is the avatar. He is the vessel. So Kanchu doesn't like his other personalities. He doesn't want him to have them, but he doesn't, ha he can't really do anything about it. 
So when Mark is in control, he can call upon the power of the moon to morph, essentially. So it is Mark when it's Moon Knight. That's fucking wild, dude. Yeah. And it could be. Sometimes it's like other personalities call upon the powers, but they don't really know what to do with them. Again, I don't know that they'll do that in the show. It just makes more sense to just have it be Mark that can do the morphing. I really hope we do see scenes later in the show that are, I guess, more from the outside or from like another bystander in the Moon Knight universe who can kind of see what it looks like. We got illusions in this first episode too, like when it was time to fight, Steven kind of blacked out and Mark took over and then Steven comes to and there's just like bodies laying around him, which was yeah. a really cool thing to play with. I want to see it from the outside. I would understand yeah. it if we never do, but I really want to see that switch from the outside. It sounds like we will from what I've seen from the showrunner, like they're going to go all out with the brutality. But I think, it, you know, especially for the first episode, like when you watch the first episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier, it was like, oh, another action scene. There's a car chase. <laughs> there's a truck and they're fighting and all that stuff. And it's like, all right, seen this before. Whereas this, it's like, oh, this is different. And, and I appreciated that. I think they're going to get more into the traditional you watch, you see it all happening. But this first one was more about like kind of playing with that medium a little bit to make it more interesting. Yeah. And I do want to pick up on one thing you said there with the, with the violence. So you asked if I remembered what it was that made me recommend Moon Knight to you in the first place. And it was that when they did the David Finch and I think Charlie Huston reboot of Moon Knight in like 2006, yep. they went grim. Like they went yep. super gritty. I remember back then you were into the Saw movies. The Saw movies had come out. You were watching these like movies where when we'd be hanging out at your house, I would have to go upstairs into your bedroom and play PlayStation 2 while y'all were like watching the movies because I was not into that kind of shit. <laughs> and then he cried because we made fun of him. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> On my podcast, Brandon. <laughs> this all tracks. <laughs> <laughs> you, you teed me up for that one. Oh, man. I So I knew that you were like into that kind of like psychological horror and all that. And I saw what they were doing in this comic. And I was like, I think Brandon would dig this, that they're pushing this guy. And what Tim described, too, where like this guy is fighting in such a way where he's not trying to take care of his body. It's so over the top violent and grim that I, it's fascinating to me that this is coming out at the same time when we just got the Batman, which is like the grittiest take on Batman that I think we've seen, like the most violent take on Batman. I thought you were going to bring up Disney's censorship of Captain of uh, Falcon Winter Soldier. It's it's ironic, isn't it, that they're that the night they're they're dropping what should be one of their grittier properties they're actively censoring one of their previously <laughs> released ones, right? Like, and I don't, I don't think we necessarily have details on how this is going to work. And they're doing like this whole like parental thing. Like I just approved. I think I turned off uh, uh, like MA for like everyone else in my family is a bit, but like <laughs> there's, there's, you can select like a child setting and like a grown up setting. And it would make some sense if when you, when you log into the child setting, you see a censored version of a movie but I don't want that to censor my time, you know, like if I'm logging no, in and exactly. I'm a grown up, give me Moon Knight beating the shit out of somebody. Let it, let's see some faces caved in. You know, I know it's still probably PG-13, but do what you can with it, you know? Yeah. 
and and the and the showrunner did he he said like we we went as hard as we wanted to go just to see if they would let us do it and he said they pretty much did that's fucking cool it was the show with the least it was any it was the marvel property with the least reshoots of like anything they've made oh that's sick because they knew what they wanted they rehearsed it and then when they went to shoot it they apparently just didn't have to do a lot of reshoots i love that and also i mean you know it's you know some good stuff has to happen later on in the series because it's already been announced that the showrunners for the show are they're signed on to direct a couple upcoming marvel properties like i think this is the first group they've really done that with since the russo brothers Mm-hmm. I could be completely talking out of my ass about that because I'm well, sure they brought back the WandaVision people for something. And they picked this as the first, this is the first time that it's been a new character, like net new that's being streamed, right? Like, yeah, but they started with this, which is super fascinating. So they really must believe in it, which makes me even happier. I th- I think it's interesting kind of going back to an earlier point you had about like where Moon Knight fits into like the MCU space. And I think it's I think it's interesting. I think the fact that they're going with like a super powered version is from what we can tell so far. They're going with like the super powered version of this character allows them to do something with this Steven character where he isn't a rich guy. Right. Because if Mm -hmm. you are going to be a Batman character, how do they possibly justify that in world? Oh, he has to have the money to do this. He has to be rich. We need this persona. If he's magical, all of a sudden you can like crank him down and have him be like the dirtiest scummiest guy who just happened to encounter an Egyptian God and is now like fighting crimes and dealing with mental health issues and like really getting into it, which I think is great and a great choice. I love the idea of him somehow in in being involved in the Avengers. I mean, all these things we're talking about are probably years away, but the idea of him showing up for the Avengers and being like, cool, so we're all going to do this. And then Moon Knight just like switches to another personality and just doesn't show up. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) there's just like a lot of room for moon Knight doing moon Knight stuff in this universe and it being like a real hodgepodge effect of all this stuff and what's cool too so so the villain um arthur haro is ethan hawk yeah being played by ethan hawk and is probably the most unknown of any villain that's been in a show in the comics he was in one single issue it was <laughs> volume two, moon Knight volume two issue two in 1985 he was an evil scientist. Similar motives. He wanted to. He had like, um, uh, like a stroke or something, and had like a bunch of pain, and so he wanted to rid the world of pain. And so I think that's why the glass in the shoes is kind of like an homage to that. But this is not like we don't know what they're gonna do with this character because there's nothing to to go off of. Like Moon Knight's biggest nemesis is Bushman, who's a merc, a crazy mercenary, and um midnight man who's a thief and is supposed to be in the show actually so that'll be interesting to see what they do with him too Bushman's supposed to be in it too i think that would be awesome if he is we're gonna get like a menagerie of moon knight villains it seems like that i was getting real da vinci code vibes from the uh the bad guy like the glass in the shoe like the religious self-mastic like beating yep. up you know like it's crazy. Glass in the shoe, pretty weird way to open a show. I'm just going to say. Yeah. Dude, it was bold and I'm there for it. Should we get into some beefs and thieves? Let's do it. Yeah. Where's the beef? 
I got I've got some beefs, I think, with the episode that I'm curious to run by you guys. I love Oscar Isaac. Whenever I see him, I just can't help but think about how bad Star Wars was. So <laughs> I feel bad. I want him to shake that. I think it'll be better. But uh, I did a palate cleanser. I went through and I watched all of his indie stuff. I watched and then, you know, like then Dune, like just watch all of the other stuff he's ever done. And it helps to kind of <laughs> fix that vision in your head a bit. Dude, my Oscar Isaac default is always in uh, Ex Machina where he's like, yeah, the day after I go really hard, I always like to work out really hard as like a method of self-flagellation. And Domino's like, oh, did you have a party last night? He's like, no. <laughs> Dude just got shit house drunk alone. Yeah. And now he's working out hard as hell at 5 a.m. to pay for it. Yeah. I, I feel like the other thing, my biggest hurdle so far, which I'd be very curious in your opinion on, is the VO or like the voice that is talking to him. I don't, I don't like that. I, I get, is it part of the character? Is it essential for this? It reminds me of Venom, which is another thing that I'm wasn't crazy about similar to star Wars where I'm like, I don't know how you make this voice right. But so far it was just like, uh, I kind of, it made me wary of the whole thing, to be honest. That is exactly how I pictured Conchu's voice reading the comics. Like, I don't know what it is, but that like really just like like old man kind of like really gritty, angry, like judgy. He's super cocky. Like it felt like what I was expecting. I think that the the way they kind of did the voiceover made it seem way too much like Venom um, with the whole like controlling his body. But like it was actually Mark that was controlling his body to kind of be like, no, we're not doing this. And Conchu's just nagging at him. That's really all Conchu does. He tells him to do some stuff and he nags a lot. So really? Yeah. He's not in, he's not in control of, of moon. Mark Spector is an avatar. So he's not fully in control of him. Interesting. Kevin, were Mm -hmm. you getting venom vibes or you're, you're rolling with it? I got some venom vibes. I think it was, I think it's just like the distortion effect they put on the audio. I don't need it to sound like he's in a great chasm. Yeah. I think that kind of stuff's more effective if it sounds like the voice is right next to you. Um, but the actor has been in, I looked up the actor that does the VO. He's been in a couple of Wes Anderson things. Yep. Yes, he has. I like him. So I'm happy that it's him doing the voiceover, but yeah. Yeah. I do have a beef though. Where's the beef? I looked it up. I can't find any confirmation that they shot part of this episode on the same kind of like LED live green screen thing that they used for the Mandalorian and Boba Fett. I think they did. The VFX in the car chase looked fucking weird, dude. Like, I think overall, we talked about the the car chase in Hawkeye too and kind of the shortcomings there. Hawkeye, I think they did practical effects and it suffered because it seemed super slow. This one, they did the actual like VFX and it seemed like really cartoony. Of the two, I think I prefer this one because I at least felt like there was action going on. It felt fast paced, but it did feel like really jarringly CG. Yeah. And part of one of my beefs is I did not like the song choice there. Like Mm. I get it. Post Guardians world. We've got to come up with quirky little like, (laughs) you know, pop songs. And I get it. And I'm glad that they kind of only did that for the first half. And then they kind of just went to the score, which was 
one of the best scores I think so far that I've heard from anything Marvel. Like I loved it. I loved the instrumentation. I loved like the dissonant tones. Like I, it felt really, really good. So just do less of the annoying pop songs. <laughs> like it just brings it down. This doesn't feel like a pop song character at all. No. no. You're, you're right, but I mean this this doesn't. I mean Hawkeye sounds way more feels like way more of a pop character than this does. Yes. This is like, mm-hmm. you know, ancient Egypt mythology. This is like Asgard, you know. This is like this is yeah. closer to that than, you know, I don't know, just a regular street level fighting, you know. Um yeah, what about thieves? You guys have any uh any thieves as the big Moon Knight fans? I think you're a thief. Oh yeah. The first one is definitely the reveal at the end like the way they did that i literally had like tears i was like and again partially it's my bias but like oh man that was so cool i just loved it and it made me instantly like yep i'm in i'm so in i want to watch the rest of the show and my wife too is like that was awesome oh man i'm so excited now so like that couple more real quick i'll just kind of run through because there's also some interesting facts the references were really really great um and really subtle so the the calls on his phone, um, when he looks at all the missed calls, you see Layla a bunch, which is kind of the replacement for Marlene, who in the comics is generally his his girlfriend. She's an archaeologist. But they also had Duchamp. Duchamp is Jean-Paul Frenchy Duchamp, who is like his chauffeur and like badass kind of sidekick partner. And then they also had uh, what I'm fairly sure, and I looked this up and some other people on the internet agree with me, the the street performer that he's talking to looks just like the character Crawley, which is his like street urchin, like informer guy. He looked just like him. He had the long hair. Like sometimes he has like the little spectacle and it. So people are pretty sure that was like Crawley, which is really cool. So that, that got me for sure. Not knowing about Crawley previously, that was a really interesting scene to have just because it, it paints such a strange picture of this guy where it's like, we don't know if he actually has a relationship with this human statue or if it's just someone that he can consistently talk to and he knows won't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know, won't call him out for stuff, won't challenge him too much. I had a similar conversation with somebody recently about about like therapy and like how, you know, it's healthy for us to have relationships where we can like just talk to somebody and communicate. But there's a lot of people that don't have that and like you know, I was in the bodega, the bodega brought it up because there are just people who like go into bodegas and just like talk at the person behind the counter who like can't go anywhere. If <laughs> you've seen this, but there's there's almost always somebody in the bodega just talking at the person, even when the person behind the counter like is ignoring them and just going about their business. It's like people still need that and people will come up with that if they don't have anything like they'll they'll force it on you a little bit. So I was like, yeah, either this guy I feel like is it's either a reference or he's going to be important later. But the fact that this, this character, Steven, who is like so awkward and uncomfortable is like confiding everything in this guy. Fascinating. It's like, it's very, it's just a very fun character moment. Um, well, it's a bodega. I live in Ohio. That was a joke. That was a joke. (laughs) It's like a, it's like a tiny little Walmart that doesn't have anything. <laughs> it has cats and ragu, and that's pretty much it. That's uh that's a startling description. It's so accurate. 
Actually, mine, I went in the other day because I was like, I can make spaghetti. They had spaghetti, no sauce. And I was like, who are these dry pasta fiends that are coming in here? Or maybe it's the ragu people, maybe the sauce people. Who are these freaks that are just buying sauce and no pasta? Like either way, there's an imbalance here that uh, my bodega's got to figure out. They got to figure it out. So I'll, I'll talk to, talk at them next time all about it. Um, I I loved I feel like the fighting is like in a great place. Him waking up surrounded by bloody people. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Very fun. <laughs> I love it. I could have seen way more of that, but I thought the fight scene was was awesome. Him talking to himself. I was finally like like the whole episode. I was kind of like, uh, there's all these like teases with like him in the mirror and the characters still staying there. And I'm like, uh, just do the thing. Like, just do it. Just do it. And by the end, when when Mark's finally talking to him, I was like, yes, this is great. I loved it. I was so pumped up for it, man. Him giving over control. Like, I can't wait. I hope this is a lot of people talking in mirrors, man. Like, I want that. I don't know why <laughs> I'm so excited about it, but I want I want all these mirror conversations, dude. I'm here for it. And the fight scenes are going to be great in the show. And you can tell because they did a lot of long takes and there's a lot of movement of the camera, but in a way that's cohesive, like, like when he's like in the museum and the the hounds coming and like, it's, it's basically one shot and they kind of move it in a way that makes you feel the tension that he's feeling and doesn't quite reveal what's going on, but they don't just cut away a whole bunch of times. Like, I think that bodes really well for the rest of the show. Dude, speaking of tension, when you see the monster has been hunting down Stephen Grant, when you see that uh, Stephen gives control over the Mark, Mark starts becoming Moon Knight, the hound pounces on him, and then we cut to outside of the bathroom, and the hound is trying to scrape its way out. It's on the ground, and it's trying to claw its way out of the ground, but it's pulled back into the bathroom. That is one of my favorite introductions I've seen to an MCU character. It sets such a great tone. And then we come in, he's just got it on the ground. Yep. He's fucking wailing on it. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Yep. I'm on board. Yeah. It's crazy. He's just punching it, right? Like, <laughs> oh, like yeah. the, the, he's got to have weapons or something. It's like, nah, he's just like straight up grabbing this thing and smashing the crap out of it. It's crazy. Also, the second time I watched it, I was paying extra, uh, like really close attention and when he does the last punch and the thing kind of goes limp, it's one leg like does a twitch too. And I was like, that's a nice little detail. I like that. <laughs> I just, uh, yeah, without spoiling too much about the Batman for you, I love that we're at a point where all of our Batman analogs are just terrifyingly brutal. Like they're meant to be scary figures and they're accomplishing it through jaw dropping violence. Yes. I, I'm here for it, you know? I'm here for it. He, you know, he pulled a real Will Smith on that monster God and <laughs> smacked oh, no. the shit out of it. Uh, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that I don't know what that monster said about alopecia, but <laughs> he had it coming. The monster's gonna wake up with fresh prints in the morning. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, we're we're near the end here. You got any like real rapid fire facts that you want to any other last minute notes, Brandon, that you wanted to get out? Um or was that pretty much it? No, I think we managed to hit the everything that I had. So, right on, hell yeah, nice. I'm excited. Where do you think we're going with this? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> um, there's definitely going to be a face off. Um, like you know, the guy's going to try to bring Amit into the human realm. That's always a common theme in most Moon Knight stories. The gods are trying to make their way into like come to our plane and 
take over. And so it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. There's going to be, a, I guarantee you, a ton of magic and like just ridiculous God level stuff. Goddamn. Me I'm too. excited. Brandon, thanks for doing the pod, yeah. man. I appreciate it. Yeah. We're lucky to have you. Yeah, and thanks maybe Kevin loved you. If you think I'm leaving that in the podcast, you're fucking insane, dude. I'm editing this one, baby. No, Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Oh, no. uh, like and subscribe wherever you can. Uh, give us five stars, five stars. Stay nerdy, friends. Bye.